The following podcast is presented by Together Washington. Together Washington, we are seeking to build bridges across divides and tell the inspiring stories of those building the common good. If you'd like to support or get involved with Together Washington, go to togetherwashington.com. We are telling the inspiring stories of people in our state building the common good, people who are uh, coming together for uh, good things. We need that, right? We, we've seen so much toxicity in our society the last couple few years. feels like the, our, the social fabric of our society is disintegrating. So how, how, do we, how do we build together? How do we hold on to convictions and values while still being in relationship and friendship with people that are different or that we disagree with. And it's just an important time. And I am, uh, I'm really excited to have our guest on the show today, Mike Malinsky. He's a major league baseball umpire and has been in the big leagues since 2006. And he is uh, one of the, one of the most respected umps in the game. And he's a local guy, a local product here hailing from western washington mike welcome to him thanks for having me good to hear you hey buddy are you good <laughs> i i am good yes uh, everything is good right now um i'm coming to you live from the big apple currently new york city and uh yeah i got a week off the field right now um working uh, my replay schedule for the week so Helping the guys out on the field if they need a little, uh, if they need some assistance, and that's what we got going on this week. Oh my goodness, man! You get a week off in the Big Apple—that's kind of fun, huh? Yeah, it's it's not it's not a bad city to uh, have a little bit of downtime in. Uh, there's plenty to do. It's starting to—I was here the last time I was here was in October of last year, and the city is is. Uh, is opening up well, so we hope it continues to trend in that direction. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, and you probably heard the news here, Governor Inslee. I don't know how much you follow Washington news, but as a Washington guy, I'm sure you do a little bit. But, of course, we're yeah. uh, reopening at the end of June, maybe sooner. So that's that's good for, for all, right? Yes, that is, is great for all. Yes, I no matter where I'm at around the country, I'm always – I, I got my Seattle times very close to me at all times. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're gonna. I am so excited for having you on here today. We're gonna. We're just gonna have. Uh, we're gonna dive into. A, I hope a, a lot of good topics because I'm sure some of our listeners are like. Man, I'd love to. I got a question for Major League <laughs> Baseball umpire. What were you thinking when you made that call? Yo, I remember when you know all that. <laughs> Uh, you never get any. Uh, you never hear that, do you, Mike? <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. That uh, we didn't hear it at all. We didn't hear very much last year from the stands. But uh, it's you know what? It's a good sound. And I I didn't think I'd ever miss uh, a little bit of uh, fan interaction uh, until last year when we had the uh, cardboard cutouts in the stands. Uh, so it, it's nice to be. It's nice to have welcomed the fans back into the ballpark. And hopefully we can continue to get more and more as, like you said, as things continue to open up. You know, Mike, this is a great place for us to start. You know, last year when we had here in Seattle uh, some pretty significant uh, riots that happened. And, of course, there were some really good peaceful protests, but then there was also some very unsettling riots that happened. And and you called me and you said, man, I'm here in town and 
is there anything that me and maybe some guys can do? I'd love to come in, maybe help clean up. And, and I just, man, that just really stands out to me that in the, in a moment like that, you're thinking about how do we, how do we get out there and serve um, in our community, serve in our city. And I think in, in your tenure as a, you know, as an umpire and just in your life in general, I mean, I've seen that with your ump cares, the things that you do to serve the community. And I just, I appreciate that about you. And, and it's not just about um, your your occupation, but it's it's really about you know serving the greater good. What t- tell us about that? Where where does that come from? I I've always loved my state. First of all, like well, I, I'm a native Washingtonian, and um, I, I grew up on the other side of the mountains. And in a small town in eastern Washington, everybody wanted to kind of stay local. So everybody was going to either go to WSU or you know, community colleges on the east side, uh, Central, or head to Spokane. There's a couple of community colleges up there. And I knew from a, a young age, uh, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth grade, as soon as I graduated from high school, if UW would uh, agree to my application and let me go to school there, I was out I was out of eastern Washington. Like, I was going to the big city. Uh, I, I just have always felt a draw to – be in Seattle and be in the Pacific Northwest. And I just, I love my city. And it was, it was discouraging last year at at some point. It was, like you said, it was nice to have uh, people that stayed peaceful and, you know, wanted to get their um, ideas or their opinions out there, but did it in a peaceful way. Um, But it was also discouraging to see that people would just take it uh, a step further and I, I have the opportunity to work with, you know, guys from all over the country. You know, our staff is filled with guys from uh, not only from this, from, from the United States, but we have um, a couple of guys that were born in Venezuela. And we got, now we got a guy on staff that was uh, born in the Dominican Republic and grew up there. And I have never, I've never ran across a guy that I have worked with on our staff that has not wanted to go to Seattle during the season. Hmm. They love the city. The city is beautiful. They love the culture up there. They love going. It's they, they only the only bad part is they say, well, we have to fly all the way up to basically southern Alaska. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not it's not a problem. Let's do it. You fly between the mountains and and the trees are green and and the water's blue and it's just beautiful. So I, I've just always had this passion for my city or our city and 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 to see it just kind of take a downturn it was just it was just so discouraging Tim it was just so discouraging so that's why you know just wanted to make myself available and there was a couple of guys um that I'm in life group with with my local church up in the north end and we were like we got to do something we can't just sit here um you know I I I don't need to go out there this is not my time right now to get my opinion out there all I want to do is I just want to serve and I want and I wanted to serve the city yeah I appreciate that man what high school did you go to by the way Mike I graduated from Ephrata High School, oh. which is a small little town in central Washington. Dude, I, always... I love Ephrata. The Greyhounds. No, not the Greyhounds. The, uh, the Tigers. Tigers. The Tigers. Yes. Yes. My mom and dad still live there. Uh, so we go back and visit. I got a lot of buddies that are, are still uh, in my hometown, and it's a good little city to go back to. It's cozy. But like I said, it was it just – when I turned 18 and had the chance to go to Seattle, I'm like, Mom, I'll come back and visit, 
but I'm out of here. I got, yeah. I got to go. Hey, <laughs> we, hey, we had a couple weeks ago, Mike, we had another Ifreda alum on the show, which is kind, which is fun, man. We had uh, my friend Jimmy Mata. He's the mayor of Berrien here in King County, mm. and uh, he's an mm. Ifreda grad. <laughs> Sweet. How about that, it's huh? Trending right now. Afraid of, afraid of, Washington is trending. I love it. It's trending. I love it. <laughs> oh my goodness, Mike. How did tell tell us how you got into being a ump for Major League Baseball? That's tough. I mean, there's only a handful of you, and and I'm sure there's probably a lot of people that would love to be a Major League Baseball umpire. How did you How did you make that happen? I, you know, I played baseball, Tim. My, my whole life. I mean, as soon as, as soon as little league became available to me, or even before that playing in the yard all the time with my buddies. And, you know, I, I always loved baseball. Um, I was, I was okay. I, you know, it was, like I said, uh, Efreda with uh, coach Dave Johnson had a very rich tradition. Um, he's won a couple of state titles and, and baseball was always an important thing. So to be able to go there and to be in the program was great. Like I said, I was, I was average at best and, and, and I had fun playing. But once, um, once I knew after my senior year and our season ended, once I knew that like I'm not, I'm not going to be a big college baseball player, I remember uh, our local assigner, excuse me, uh, by the name of Ed Rhodes. He'd been like he's our umpire, right? We, there was a couple of guys that you always had working your games. So Ed Rhodes comes to me. The summer leading up to me going to Seattle, and he's like, "So, what are you going to do now that uh, you graduate from high school and you're going to the University of Washington? And you know, what are you going to do this summer?" And I said, "Well, you know, my dad's got me uh, got me a job working for Grant County, and, and it was a nice little setup for an 18 year old kid, you know, working four ten. So you had a three day weekend every weekend. So Ed was like, that's perfect because you're going to come umpire for me.' And I'm like, "Huh? <laughs> what? I, I don't, I don't." I don't know what umpire. I know how to play baseball. I don't. I don't know what umpire the, uh, a baseball game. So, but Eddie said, you know, uh, how about this? I'll pay you about thirty-five, forty-five bucks a game, and you work, you know, four or five games on a weekend. And I'm like, sure, broke eighteen-year-old kid. I'm like, yeah, I'll, that that sounds great. So I remember getting my start working uh, junior Babe Ruth and senior Babe Ruth and, and, and senior Legion during the summer, and just kind of started to get my feet wet. I, it, 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 the first game that I worked, he said, you're going to work a one man. You're going to work behind the plate. And I, I, I scrounged up some uh, equipment from a couple of guys that lived in the Ephraim area and that were umpiring. I remember I did not have any plate shoes. Like normally when I work home plate, now we have steel tip show, shoes that protect our feet, obviously. Um, so I went out there with a pair of turf shoes on and I, had my shin guards outside of my pants and wore my hat backwards and, you know, just kind of threw it all together. <laughs> and then like, just kind of had a feel for one, how the game is played. But then when you go back there and start calling balls and strikes, it's a whole different dynamic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you're not trying to hit it anymore. You're not trying to catch it. Now you're trying to see it and get it right. So, he he got me working that summer uh, before I went to before I went to Seattle, and then he knew um, a guy by the name of Jack Miller, who was of a local assigner at the time for the Northwest Baseball Umpires Association, which basically runs all of King County's high school little league uh, baseball seasons. And he put me in touch with Jack Miller, and he said, 
you need you need to keep this going with their training programs over there and go get yourself you know educated and in baseball and, and see where it goes so i said sure so called jack when i got situated um over over in seattle and he got me into training and then that spring when uh when the high school baseball season started off and it, it, he, he plugged me right in so i was going to class in the morning and working a baseball game uh probably three to four days during the week and then on the weekends find a big term tournament and work, you know, two or three games a day. And then it just kind of started. I got the, I got the passion for umpiring right away. Like I knew I was very interested in it, but having said that, I still had zero clue, zero clue what it took to become a professional umpire. Like no, no clue. I didn't go to, I was a Mariners fan at the time. Like I didn't, I, you know, I, I didn't go to, um, Mariner games in the kingdom to see the umpires. I went to, you know, watch the Mariners play and, and whoever was coming into town. And, 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 and that was the thing. So as uh, my freshman year, my sophomore year, my junior year, I started meeting a couple of uh, college umpires and started hanging out with those guys a little bit. And then there was a couple of guys that were working in the Pac-10 at the time that had gone to umpire school. One of them actually had worked some games in the big leagues. And so my junior year in college, they, they, uh, they were out scouting me one afternoon, and, and, and Adam Rogers was his name, and he said, Mike, what do you think about going to umpire school? And I was like, I don't, I don't really know what, what that is. What is that? <laughs> what so is umpire? <laughs> yeah, I was like, what? So he explained what umpire school was, and that's your, that's your first step into – uh, determining whether or not you're going to be a, just a professional umpire, you know, work in the minor leagues. So uh, that summer after I uh, graduated from, or excuse me, after I uh, completed my junior year in college, I went and uh, watched a couple guys umpire in Yakima. And the first time I ever, after had been umpiring for, you know, three-ish years, I went and watched these guys work. And they were probably in their second or third year of their careers. And I was like, these guys look sharp, like really sharp. And I was amazed about the only reason why I, I felt like when I watched them, the only reason why I felt like I was successful as an umpire when I was working uh, high school and college baseball games is because I had a, uh, an understanding of the game. Uh, I was growing in the rules. Um, so I kind of let my baseball instincts kind of take over. But when I watched these guys and saw how fundamentally sound they were and and then talk to them uh, and their stories and what it was going to take. Like, I was like, okay, this is, I'm in, like, I'm, I'm in on this. Mm. So uh, that, uh, go, that fall leading up to my senior year, I finished winter quarter and then I was talking to my parents and I said, this is what I would like to do. Um, and my mom and dad told me, we will, we're, we support you, but you're one quarter away from graduating from college. And it's, and you want it, you want that diploma. We want you to get that diploma. So you just promise to us that you will go back and you will finish your degree whenever, however you can, and we'll support this and, and get you sent off down to Florida. And so that was in uh, January of 1999. And they sent me down to uh, Orlando, Florida, where uh, Jim Evans Academy of Umpiring is the one that I attended. Um, it's a six-week course. There, are, there were two other umpire schools at the time, and that is the only way that you can be selected to work in minor league baseball. That is 
the only way. Uh, football does it differently. Basketball does it differently. Hockey does it differently. Baseball, you have to, one, complete umpire school, which is six or seven week of very intense training. You're talking eight to one o'clock in the morning of strictly rules and an hour lunch break and then two to six thirty, two to seven at night on the field going over everything. We started with the first word in the rule book and we ended with the last word in the rule book and we just built a solid fundamental foundation for uh, and put the decision on them for them what to determine whether or not they were going to select me to go into minor league baseball because anybody can go tim shoot you can go to umpire school next year if you want all right go ahead we'll take you but not everybody gets selected to move on so normally it's uh between the three schools there there were probably uh, close to 400 maybe 450 students that went in 99 and i think they took 36 or seven of us wow uh and put us in the minor leagues that year so and then so that's 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 the that's the the leading up to uh, getting into minor league baseball. So you're in minor league baseball for how long? A few years? Yeah. I, so I, and I, and minor league baseball is kind of like we do the same kind of track as the players, right? We, they, they supervise us and they evaluate us and they determine if the next year you're going to get a promotion or, you know, once, once a spot becomes available. Um, so I, I worked, through the minor leagues, I, I, I took a step up every year. I went from uh, rookie ball to short season A, which short season A was my second year in the game, and I got promoted to the Northwest League. So I was really excited because I was going to be traveling around to Spokane, Yakima, Everett, Eugene, Salem, up to Vancouver, down into, let's see, we went all the way out to Boise. And it was just nice to be, I was able to have my family come out to the ballpark, and we were traveling. And so that was super exciting to be uh, working in my backyard. And then uh, the next year I went to a, a full season A ball, following year double A, and then 2003 was my first year of getting promoted to triple A. And then once you get to triple A, that's when Major League Baseball, uh, they turn their supervisor staff, they turn their eyes to the triple A staff to determine now, is this guy – um, material for us to start looking at to, to, to umpire at the major league level. We've got Mike Malinsky. He is a major league baseball umpire, local guy, and uh, grew up here in this great state of Washington and uh, resides up in the great county of Snohomish County. And <laughs> <laughs> hey, Mike. Tell me, okay, this is – how much do you want to dive into fun stuff or do you just want to keep it pretty – like I know you've got it. there's only – there's a certain level you, you can't go to. Um, yeah, there, there, there are some, some, some things that I have to stay away from. <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just kind of – we'll take it item by item and see if there's – if we've got to back off, we've got to back off. Yeah. So <laughs> do you keep track of how many people you've ejected? Do you know how many people I you've do. ejected? I do, and there, there's actually um, we had a guy that actually kept. There's a there's a website out there that a guy kept like keeps all the stats of like every game that every umpire's worked, and he also like in that where you go look yourself up and go I've worked oh okay X amount of games X okay oh oh I had a oh I had a couple of ejections that year and so he got them all charted so 
Yeah, I think I'm getting close to 20, 20 early removals that uh, I've had in my career. And, uh, yeah, before the break, you said something about my my favorite person I've ejected. I'm like, "Mm, I don't know. I don't know if I've ever had a favorite ejection. I just, just, sometimes you just in the heat of battle, just somebody's got to go. And I'm going to have to play on the field, so it's not going to be It's not going to be me. (laughs) (laughs) It's not going to be me. Oh, I love that. That's amazing. All right. Hey, we got Tim from Kirkland. Tim, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Tim. And Mike, hey, uh, thanks for coming on the show. Very interesting. Hey, it's kind of a two-part question for you, Mike. One, uh, as a Christ follower, um, I'm curious how – if, if being an umpire who doesn't know the Lord, as opposed to someone who does know the Lord, does that change your approach at all to the game? And the second part of the question, maybe not as important, but I'm just curious how you handle those massive egos on the field, you know, making all that money. <laughs> Good questions, Tim. Um, it, I, don't, I can't really speak for myself when it com- or for anybody else on our staff when it comes to their faith. Um, I know that I don't think I would be uh, – I know for a fact that I wouldn't be as successful both on the field and working for Major League Baseball and also, um, you know, having to leave my wife and kids at home uh, for these long periods of time. And so I know for uh, a fact that without my faith and the strength that uh, I receive from uh, the power of the Holy Spirit um, allows me and and, and keeps me – strengthened on a daily basis to do this job because this job does come with uh, a, a negative side. We, we, we do deal with guys with a lot of personality and, and a lot of ego and reminding myself. And I, 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 I'm going to include myself into that conversation as well. I, I, I tend to run a little hot. I tend to, you know, uh, be one of the loudest guys in the room. I, 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 I have, you know, I, I deal in pride issues, but knowing uh, that I have a, a savior who constantly teaches me in humility, it, it allows me, it, it gives me and provides tools for me to be successful uh, a, a year in, year out. You know, when, when, when you're dealing through the, um, the longness of a seven month baseball season and being on the field every night. Yeah. Well, a, a gl- g- great answer. Glad to have you representing us here in the Northwest. And more importantly, glad to have you representing Christ on, on the field because, you know, goodness knows there's there's enough bad stuff going on. And it's just good to see believers in a position of influence like that. So pr- appreciate you taking my call. Yeah, thank you, Tim. Yeah, Tim from Kirkland. Thanks for uh, calling in to the show today. You know, one of the questions, Mike, I wanted to ask you, I mean, obviously – so you have a job, an occupation where on, you know, on most years, 40,000 people, um, you have 40,000 bosses, right? Who are sure. watching sure. your every move. <laughs> How does it feel <laughs> to have 40,000 bosses every night who are going to say yes or no on how you're doing. <laughs> uh, you know what makes it easier? It makes it easier when you're right. So when they're when they're applauding you because you're right, that's that's a good feeling. It's I mean I can't I, I, I'm 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 human. So when the crowd gets uh, ramped up and, it, and it's in a, and it's in a good thing, 
um, it can be a it can be a fun environment. Uh, yeah, our job it really is a, it's a lose lose job. Like we we have to be so fine and so perfect, and and I accept that. I accept the difficulty that or the level of difficulty at which the Major League Baseball game is played. Uh, these are very these are elite world-class athletes that throw the ball very hard, can move the ball a lot, can hit the ball very well, and play baseball at an elite level. So to be able to accept that the speed and the level of play is going to be high only works to raise my own ability level so I can match them and, 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 and umpire them at a high level and have a high successful rate in doing so. Um, I, people ask me when, they, when, when I meet people for the first time and they, and they find out what I do, they'll, they'll say, Oh, so who's your favorite team? And I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't have a favorite team. When I was, you know, when I was in college and, and growing up, I was a Mariners fan. Great. As soon as I got into the umpiring world and realized that that wasn't going to be part of my future, like that just goes away. So, uh, we don't have a favorite team. We are only charged, and, and, and sometimes this kind of people don't quite get it. But I don't. I don't care who wins and loses. I really don't. I really. All I care about is that the best team that night was able to win the game without any sort of umpire error or rule error or anything that happened uh, that, that that we can fix. Like the best team that night wins. Let's move on. And that's it. And so going back to kind of what Tim's, uh, Tim's question was when, when he called in, it's, it's understanding and accepting the difficulties, but also like being, if, you're, if you can be good at it, then you can go a long way. Hmm. So far, knock on wood, um, it, it's, it's been a pretty good run. Yeah. And, and you've had the privilege of, you know, you've umped All Star games, Wild Card games, LCSs, divisions. I mean, you've done you've done well, and um, and that's a credit to you know the job you're doing, Mike. Do you have a call? In here's a two part question. Do you have a call? Sure. One call that you wish you could take back. You're like, oh my gosh, darn it! I do. I blew that one. And I then you know which one it is. Yep. And then do you have do you have one that you're like, I am so glad I got that one right. <laughs> I, do, I do have an answer for that uh, before replay I was going up and down and I was working the plate in um, I was working the plate in Oakland one night and the twins were in town and Oakland or Minnesota one of the two teams gets up like in the fifth or sixth inning like a lot like 10 to 1 so and then I think uh, I think Oakland was regardless guy on second base two outs Oakland's up a run, top of the ninth inning. Pass ball. Guy from second base, Michael Kadire, for some reason rounds third base, and now he's going to try to score on a pass ball to tie the game in the top of the ninth with two outs. So here he comes. He slides feet first through the catcher's leg. Catcher gets it, or the pitcher gets it, drops it down, and tags him on the thigh. I'm like, I think he's out. So I call him out. Call him out. Game over now. A's were up a run. Well, immediately after <laughs> a small argument with 
the twins as they followed us up the tunnel, go in the locker room and you see the replay and you're like, if we would have had replay, it would have been overturned to a safe and then the game would have been tied. Mm. So that is one that sticks with me. That call sticks with me because we didn't, we didn't have the, uh, the resource of on-field replay at the time. And so it is, it is something talking about like, you know, there's, there are a couple downsides to, um, to this job is that I, I just don't leave that call. I don't, I don't leave what that result was. I don't leave that at the ballpark. Like I take that home. You know, I, I try to, um, I try to give, give myself the benefit of the doubt and knowing that mistakes are going to be made, but knowing that was a big one and that, that did help decide who won that game that night. That's one that I'll always stick with me as a miss. And, and thankfully now, thankfully now with the usage of replay, we just guys don't have to do that anymore. Yeah. Like, when you get overturned, it's still, it's not a good feeling. It is not, it, I don't, we don't walk, our staff does not walk out on a baseball field and be like, well, if I miss something tonight, uh, they'll just overturn it. It's like, no, and no, it's still a, a very lousy feeling to miss a play. And they're going to happen. Uh, they, there's, there are some crazy plays that happen on a nightly basis basis in the big leagues. Absolutely. But, uh, that, 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 that's a memorable one that sticks out that is like, that just, man, if I just would have slowed down or t- taken a step here or just not been so rushed or what, and you just replay it over and over and over and over again in your mind, you're like, man, I'd like to have that one back. I only had two choices and I guessed wrong. <laughs> How about one that you're glad that you got it right? Um, I, I, there's one, it, it, it's, a, it's a twofold. It, I were, I was, I had the opportunity to work, um, Max Scherzer's, uh, no hitter. And he was one out away from a perfect game. And with two outs, he hung a slider to a guy and hit a guy in the elbow. And it, it, at first I, there was a, he had one of those plastic, uh, elbow guards on. And at, at first it, it, it made a real loud smacking sound. And so I was like, oh, well, I immediately, I immediately put my hands in the air and I'm thinking like, ooh, I think it hit the bat. I think this is foul. So I say foul and I'm in my head. I'm like, oh, oh, oh no, that was 100% incorrect. It hit the guy in the elbow guard. So after, <laughs> after being a little too quick with the timing, calling foul, no, you go to first base, that hit him. And I'm, <laughs> it ended up hitting him, thankfully, set him to first base. Next guy comes up. He pops out the left field. So Scherzer gets the no-hitter. But I'm just so glad that I didn't call foul. And then they would have been – that one would have been across the TV for a couple of days. So Yeah. Oh, my got, goodness. And inevitably, we got it right. So, thank <laughs> you. Well, man, I, I all, when, I, when I get the chance, you know, to connect with you guys, the umpires and – and uh, on on Sunday morning at the, at the ballpark, it's just like man, I I just you know share a word together and pray together. It's like man, I I I'm what a you guys got the one of the toughest jobs in America. You know when you have so many people who are <laughs> it's a tough it's yeah. a tough gig, man. I got a lot of <laughs> lot of respect for what you do. We're talking to Mike Malinsky, Major League Baseball umpire, local guy here from the state of Washington. And Mike, so good to have you on the show today. This is a lot of fun to have you and uh, just hear your heart and 
hear how you got into it. And, and we got we do now have Bill back on the line. Bill from Seattle, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me, Tim. And, Mike, it is a pleasure to be here. I just wanted to ask you, because I'm not big into baseball, but my grandson follows every game religiously. In fact, now that you mentioned Euphredo, we actually have stopped back and forth there, going from good old CWU over in Ellensburg. But I wanted to (laughs) ask, with COVID and everything that's going on, I notice there are still people getting together and watching the game, even when there were nobody in the stands. I once or twice showed up to the parties and parking lots where we'd be watching the game on tablets and phones and really however we could. And I wanted to get your take on that because it must have been weird to look and see, you know, no fans in the stadium, though we were definitely there and we were definitely watching. Sure. Uh, Bill, great question. It, it, it really was an adjustment. It, it, it took a little bit for um, for us to even kind of realize that we were going to be making it happen without fans in the stands. Um, I remember when they uh, shut us down from spring training, and I, I had read a couple of articles in the Times, in Seattle Times in the morning, like, hey, you know, the Mariners season might be pushed back a couple of weeks. And then they went from that to – well, the NBA shut down, and then now spring training shut down. Now we're just done. Like, and we don't know if we're going to be back on the field at all. Um, fortunately, I was able to be part of a joint health and wellness committee that was part player, part umpire, part MLB, and we were able to kind of navigate what us going back to work was going to look like. So I, it was nice to be able to have firsthand knowledge of what we were going to be doing. But then when we started working games, you know, we – Everybody, they did something different when we went back and had spring training 2.0. They, uh, most of the majority of our guys on staff, if you lived close to a big league city, you would just stay there. So it, it started when uh, the other, myself and the two other umpires that live in Washington State, uh, Trip Gibson, who lives up in Marysville, and Quinn Walcott, who lives down in Puyallup, we were able to work that 10 or 11 or 12 days before we were going back to work. And that, that kind of helped because the Mariners at the time were trying to figure out like what sort of ambient crowd noise they were going to use and how loud did it need to be? And were they going to be able to build the crowd noise with the momentum of the game if a game got close? So it it was nice to be able to get our feet wet in that, uh, in that respect, as far as before the game started counting. But then when we actually got on the road, remember opening up in Oakland, uh, when we got back to work for the regular season and walking into the ballpark. And, you know, they had a few cardboard cutouts to start, but that kind of gained momentum as the season went on. But that first night, we had a walk-off grand slam in the bottom of the 10th inning. We, you know, we had the new rule with the guy on second base. So we had a lot of stuff going on that first night. But then Matt Olson comes up in the bottom of the 10th and hits a walk-off grand slam. And it's just quiet. And that place, even they, – they don't really put a lot of fans in the stands normally in Oakland unless the big guns are there. But that stadium in a normal situation would have been coming unglued. People would have been losing their minds. A walk-off grand slam in the bottom half of the inning. So it, it took a little bit. And then, you know, one of the weird occurrences that we had is sometimes that ambient crowd noise at the ballparks that play would cut out, and it's just nothing. And you're like – Ooh, I don't, I don't like this. 
I don't like this at all. And everybody would be looking around and not really sure, like, should we keep playing or whatever? But it, it's just going back to what I said at the beginning of the interview, Bill, it, I am grateful that we have our fans back in the stands. And it looks like um, with the vaccines ramping up and the more teams now, I think we're close to half of the teams getting to the 85% threshold. It looks like more cities are going to be willing to open up the stands and allow more people uh, when, when summer comes around to get outside and enjoy, uh, en- enjoy the experience at the ballpark. Yeah, it's great. Bill, thanks for calling in. Appreciate it. Always good to have uh, our listeners calling in and participating with the show. Mike, you know, I know you're not supposed to have favorites, but are there are there some guys over the years you're like, man, you just you've developed a lot of respect for just just how they carry themselves and, and the kind of you know, the kind of men they are, kind of character they have. I mean, any anybody stand out to you? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, I, I'm trying to jog my memory. I'll tell you, of course, when you think of umpire-player, umpire-manager relations, like uh, on on any giving night or any given night or any YouTube you want to whip up, you know, you can see some pretty pretty good rows, if you will, uh, between umpires and players and umpires and managers. But it's it's a it's a lot. They're a lot fewer and farther between than what you think. And you do really, especially when you spent – I spent over 10 years in AAA and 14 years in the minor leagues. Like, you spend time with, you know, guys that are toiling through uh, a minor league system and, you know, uh, you build a rapport with them and then you see them in the big leagues and you hope that they have the same sort of character that they had in the minor leagues that they have once the once the uh, the bright light bright lights come on, and so I've had the experience in, in my career where I had a good rapport with a guy, uh, a player, and then all of a sudden we see each other in the big leagues, and all of a sudden he's somebody else. And so I'm like, bro, you, that's not how you acted when we were in AAA. Like, come on now. I know the pressure is a little bit more. I know the lights are a little brighter, but that base pass is still 90 feet, hmm. and it's still 60 foot six inches to the top of the mound. So just because there are more people following you on social media and you got a few more microphones on a podium, like don't, don't change your character, bro. Don't mm. change your character. So there, there's been, I, I can't, I, I can't come up with the name uh, specifically right now yeah. off the top of my head, but, the, but, the, but there is, and, it, it, and, it, and guys, especially when you're in a minor leagues, really working through um, your minor league career and in, 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 in trying to get the big leagues to look at the major leagues to look at you. Like you do develop, solid relations i i have a, a decent relationship with a, a, a catcher in the it was in the royals organizations named paul phillips and paul and i worked together a lot in triple a and then had the opportunity to work uh, together in the big leagues and still from time to time he'll reach out and i'll reach out to him and check in on him, him, him and his family and it's just it's just a it's kind of a it's a professional respect like i worked with you as a catcher i worked with you so much in some very hot, small, bad baseball games, and then we had a chance to work at the big leagues together and enjoy that experience. And 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 so yeah, those those relationships do develop. Yeah, that's cool. Just a couple more minutes left here with Mike Malinsky, Major League Baseball umpire. It's been a lot of fun to talk to you, Mike. Yeah, I love asking our guests uh, this this final question: How do you want to be remembered, Mike? 
That is a great question, Tim. I, I'll be honest with you. I want to be, I want to be remembered as somebody that truly cared. I, I'm talking strictly umpiring right now, but I want to be remembered, and I want my history in this game to be one of, one, I was fair, two, I never took a day off, and three, I truly cared about the game of baseball, which I do. That's how I want to be remembered. That's, you know, on the field. And off the field, like, I, I, I want my memory to be in the legacy of my children. Like, that's, that's where I want I, – I want my kids to grow up and to be good, you know, <laughs> good Christ-loving citizens and, and just to know that I did everything that I could for them, both on and off the field, within, you know, within the confines of my family and then also, you know, on the diamond. That's, that's how I want to be remembered. Uh, a fun guy, worked hard, always had a positive attitude, always pumped you up, always fair, and, and kept a, a, a high integrity level for uh, Major League Baseball. Oh, Mike. Great question, Tim. Yeah. Hey, we try our best here on the show. <laughs> well, Mike, hey, when are you going to be in Seattle? Do you know, are you going to be in Seattle this year on a, on a Sunday? Yes, I will be. I have one series in Seattle in July. I think it's like the, the, the weekend after, either the weekend or weekend after the All-Star break. And we have a four-game series there with Oakland. I think it's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So I will be at the ballpark on Sunday afternoon when you come down, and, and uh, hopefully we can connect then. Absolutely. We absolutely will, man. What a pleasure it's been, Mike. Thanks so much for joining us today. It's been a lot of fun to have you. This is awesome. Tim, thank you so much for the invitation and the opportunity to come on the show, man. This is awesome. Great. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. We've been on with Mike Malinsky, uh, Major League Baseball umpire, but more importantly, just a, a great guy who loves his community and uh, is always looking for ways to serve the community. So it's been great to have Mike on the show.